Welcome to Happy Hour with Julie and Liz. So, Liz. Yes. Um, I have some good news per our custom of starting off our Happy Hour podcast. We have to have some good news before we get into the dystopian hellscape that we're all living in. Okay, what is the good news? <clears throat> there are no more kids in cages at the border. God, Julie, thank God that national nightmare is over. The inhumanity of it all. AOC will not have to pretend she's crying in front of an empty parking lot. Nope. I bet they, something better. I bet there's something better, though. Apparently, kids in containers is now the, the buzzword because, of course, being in a container. Totally different. Way better than being in a cage. It's totally different. Did you see the pictures of the containers? I they have the the picture I saw. There's like one little window, like one. It's just like okay, I guess this is better. I mean, it's not better, and we all know what's going on here. So was it yeah. better or worse than the kids, uh, the junior high kids who are doing band practice in Washington, and they're like in some sort of like a personal tent, pup tent, pod, I guess. <laughs> I saw that a co- like yesterday and I just thought it was Photoshopped. I didn't click on it because I was like, okay, that's that's funny. And then right. this morning I clicked on it. And I'm like, wait, it's not Photoshopped. You know what? It's one thing. It's bad enough to be a tuba player when you're 12 years old, but it's just a whole other level of cruelty to have to do that in a green individualized like pup tent. How do they make sure that when the students are getting into the tents, like do they each get into their tent one at a time? So like, you know what I mean? Like they're not right. together and then they get in their tents, but like one person at a time goes in the room, gets in their tent, z- seals it, I guess that's the right word. And then the next one comes in just so that they're not, you know, contaminating each other. If you're going to have that level of, of, of diligence, you know, I mean, I would expect there to be thoroughness. I don't know. People have lost their minds. It's crazy. Did you, speaking of absurdities, I saw that I think a week or two ago, and I may have sent this to you because this is the kind of thing that we make fun of all day long when we see it. But there was some story that China had a new COVID test that requires an anal swab. Oh, yeah, that was a couple weeks ago, right? Yeah. Well, today they've come out and said that there's no need for that anymore. So I guess they just used it on like some U.S. officials or something that came into the country, probably to investigate the Wuhan Virology Institute. And so (laughs) I guess after. But if that doesn't speak to how stupid people are. You know, that they'll literally do anything. You know, we're talking yep. about kids playing the tuba or the drums inside this like zip tent, you know, and here are these USA scientists getting, you know, anal swabs for virus. And they're like, OK, you know, <laughs> no point. Did someone say, no, 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 we'll just you could just do the cheek or the nose. No need to do the anal swab. Well, but- look, if you are the CCP and you have successfully launched this 
propaganda campaign starting from, you know, people like dying in the streets. Remember the girl who was just like collapsed in the street and then they were like fumigating office buildings and they were locking people up like that's they were how spraying bleach. Weren't they helicopters just dropping <laughs> bleach on whole cities? Allegedly, right? Allegedly. Allegedly, right. So when you have successfully done this to the American people, why wouldn't you just keep putting, you know, you could see these Chinamen like, hey, let, let's try anal swab. Let's see if they do this. Like, why wouldn't you? I don't know. All I know is that people will pretty much do anything you say if you tell them that it will stop the spread of the coronavirus no matter how what do i say on the show if if fauci said you need to wear a red nose like a clown and walk around with it and that will keep the virus from you how many people would do that not only would they do it they would shame others for not (laughs) doing it because that's All right. So real quick, back to The Washington Post explaining the uh, dozens of migrant teens. Now, all of a sudden, they're not kids in cages. They're teens. They're not tots. Okay. (laughs) They explicitly say 13 to 17. Sorry. I I mean, I've raised kids. 13 is still a child. They don't know what the hell they're doing. Um, so the emergency facility explains the Washington Post, a vestige of the Trump administration that was open for only a month in the summer of 2019, as you recall, before he was threatened again with being impeached for this, is being reactivated to hold up to 700 children ages 13 to 17. Government officials say the camp is needed because facilities for migrant children have had to cut capacity by nearly half because of coronavirus. Well, that's not the whole story, Liz, at the same time since Joe Biden used his executive orders as a welcoming mat for uh, thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of migrants from Central America, the number of unaccompanied children crossing the border has been inching up with January. I wonder what happened in January, reporting the highest total, 5,700 apprehensions in January of unaccompanied children. That's I mean, just take a step wow. back and think about what it means to have an unaccompanied child. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, someone sent their kid 2,000 miles and just said, good luck. I don't know. It just, I don't but even know if I trust same those thing, numbers. This was the same thing that happened with Trump. They lied and said that these were families coming together, which, of course, was not the case. These are criminals using children, buying them, renting, raping them, impregnating, giving giving them STDs, which a lot of Border Patrol agents have to do with young girls who are crossing the border and suddenly dumped by whatever criminal coyote or whatever you want to call them to get into the country. Um, So this is basically the same scenario. But of course, the vernacular is completely changed. Well, it's different because they're being confined to containers out of love and not hate like they were when they were put in cages so it's it's different you know what I mean it's just the administration gets a pass on this it actually according to the post it actually sounds sort of like Disneyland I mean we should all want our children to go there the 66 acre site groups of beige trailers also known as containers, and circle a giant white dining tent, a soccer field, and a basketball court. These kids are getting to play play sports while the rest of America's youth is, you know, going on month 12 of no physical activity or extracurricular activities at school. 
But if you are a migrant child in a fun trailer camp, you get to play soccer. So good news. What I find most interesting about what you just read, Julie, is that the Biden administration managed to create this Disneyland in less than a month and a half. And apparently none of these things were available (laughs) when Donald J. Trump was the president and he had people in cages. But now suddenly there's beautiful, lush soccer fields and and carousels. And it's the same place. It's, It's not new. It's just ridiculous how pathetic the spin is. Well, here's you know, more. It, okay, do you, share. let's have some more. You'll love this. The most colorful trailer is at the entryway, where flowers, butterflies, Ugh. and handmade posters Stop. still hang on its walls from the facility's first opening in 2019. Don't you remember CNN anchors talking lovingly about how beautifully yes. decorated the cages were? Totally. Well, are they still drinking from toilets? Remember that? Did they get new? Remember that they were drinking out of toilets and um, yeah, yeah. So we and it didn't. It turned out not to actually be true because I guess in all of those uh, detention centers, the sink is attached to the toilet, but they're not literally taking their cup and like scooping up <laughs> water from the actual toilet. But We were told people were drinking from toilets. And, you know, it's so disingenuous the way the media talks about this, because this really is a tragic crisis. And you have these kids, some are unaccompanied in in a strict sense of the word. They're just kind of toddle up to the border. But a lot of them are brought in with fake families because they can't be separated and they have to be given priority under the crazy – laws from the Obama years that we couldn't a hundred percent get rid of, but also um, the, 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 the real families are fast tracked in the fake families. The kids are either separated because by law they have to be separated. And that's something the media doesn't tell you. You can't have a bunch of kids mixing with a bunch of adults that aren't their family. I mean, is that's a recipe for another kind of disaster? But we're never we're never told about that. It's never discussed in the entire context. Instead of looking at it like a tragedy, and why are all these unaccompanied minors coming to the border? We're you know, it's it that's that part of the story isn't told, you know, and it, it's very sad because you're right; these kids are abused. They're sometimes they're used to traffic drugs. Mm-hmm. They're recycled over and over again that's right they're they're raped they have sexual they're pregnant it's just it's it's terrible and it's very upsetting because there's not a real conversation about what the issue is and then how to solve the issue it's like we're just not going to talk about it and we're going to make up something that is politically expedient instead to distract people from this actual crisis going on and this is going to get worse. If I'm sure you remember in 2019 when Donald Trump wanted to use his National Emergencies Act authority, which he did to declare crisis at the border, wanted to divert a few billion dollars from the you know way over bloated defense 
department budget to help finish up the wall, he was thwarted not just by Democrats, but 12 or 13 Republican senators. So that was like January, February of 2019. By the time April rolled around, we had 100,000 border crossings. Then all of a sudden, Mitt Romney, Pierre Delecto, who voted to veto Trump's uh, authorization, suddenly it was a massive humanitarian and national security crisis. So this is just the beginning of what we can expect to see as the weather gets warmer and no one is sent back. Right. Well, and they're not holding people in Mexico anymore. I mean, they, um, instead of keeping people in Mexico, before they are allowed in rather than letting them in and saying, Hey, come back in a year for your hearing. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought staying in Mexico was good. I mean, instead of doing all these things to dissuade people from coming by, you know, in a manner where they just swarm the border, but, you know, having them go through a process where we're not letting in thousands of people that are not tested for coronavirus. We're not testing any of these people for the virus, by the way. Um, that's right. And just and doing and taking any steps to stop this from happening. I mean, that kind of tells you everything you need to know about that. This must be in someone's interest to let these people, you know, to to lift up any obstacles from coming here and just letting people in like this. And of course, the icing on the cake is, of course, that we're not testing them for coronavirus, but don't, you know, but you can't get on a plane, right? There was talk about making sure everybody who got on a plane is negative, but yeah, mm-hmm. we're just going to let people on the border, you know, no problem. I mean, it's just, it's a terrible mess and it, and it's, there's children and there are women who are exploited and yes. the United States is not taking it seriously because somebody gets a political gain out of doing this. Well, Liz, I fully expect whoever the acting, uh, whatever, Border Patrol, ICE, whatever agency that soon is going to be dismantled or DHS, I fully expect that person to be harassed out of uh, Washington, D.C. restaurants this weekend like uh, Kirsten Nielsen was. Yeah, that's going to happen. They're not they're going to celebrate. They're going to. Well, first of all, they're not allowed in restaurants because you can get coronavirus like that. So. Oh, that's right. um, That's right. If there were, when they open, I think DC restaurants are open at 25%. Although I'm not sure with the danger in the Capitol right now of this imminent threat of another violent insurrection and attack to see Mm -hmm. an attempt to seize the Capitol. I'm not sure if they are open at all. It's a good question. I mean, you never know when you're going to just be peacefully eating a nice steak dinner somewhere and all of a sudden in comes the organic shaman with his furry horns screaming about Mike Pence. That's a terrifying thought. No, for sure. And it could happen. <laughs> I mean, and that, that, um, that could, what if someone walked in happen. Although flag. isn't he still locked up, Julie? So yep. we're not going to get the QAnon sh- shaman or shaman. So he is still in prison. Thankfully. God, dangerous. thank God, because he is the real threat to, uh, our public safety across the country. Which is more of a threat than coronavirus. And that's a pretty serious threat. So. Um, he's more of a threat than Al-Qaeda, Liz. <laughs> he is a bathist. He is. Yep. Yeah. 
I mean, come on. No, yeah. there was no well, worse day in American history than January 6th. And if obviously you are downplaying it, which makes you a white supremacist. I that's you got me. You <laughs> nailed me. You you got me. Speaking Game of, over. let's pivot now Game over to, for Liz. All right, go on. <laughs> let's pivot to our white supremacy domestic terrorist hunter Merrick Garland, who um we watched his hearings this week. He's gives off serious Robert Mueller vibes. Um, but we can talk about it, that in a second. He has promised to make the January 6th wide-ranging, uh, egregious investigation into the Capitol breach. That's the official DOJ name for it. January 6th, his top priority, his first act, if confirmed, which we know he will be, um, will be a briefing to get updated on where we are with the investigation. He says he said that well let's let's play his clip let's hear what Merrick Garland said about January 6th and the Oklahoma City bombing in 1995 which he helped prosecute the perps though we are faced with elements that weren't there 25 years ago in Oklahoma City a proliferation of weapons secondly social media and the internet which serves as a gathering place for many of these domestic terrorists what are your thoughts about how we should deal with those elements from the law enforcement viewpoint? Well, Mr. Chairman, I certainly agree that we are facing a more dangerous period than we faced in Oklahoma City at the, than at that time. From what I have seen, and I have no inside information about how the department is uh, developing it for its work, it looks like an extremely aggressive and perfectly appropriate beginning to an investigation all across the country in the same way our original Oklahoma City investigation was, but many times uh, uh, um, more. I don't yet know what additional resources would be required by the department. I can assure you that this will be my first priority and my first briefing when I return to the department if I'm confirmed. Hmm. Yeah, so. that's, um, that's lovely. He's lovely. Um, first of all, He's obviously not having his best day, <laughs> right? Like if you're listening How to that. How do you know Liz, that could be his best day? Think about that. Well, okay. You, maybe, maybe you're onto something, but he, he doesn't sound very confident or authoritative and something for the listeners to know when there is a Senate um, confirmation hearing, the person who is going to be confirmed gets a lot of preparation. You just do not like wing it. You don't come in off the street like, hey, I think I'll just do the Senate confirmation here. No, there are teams of people who take this very seriously. There's a very aggressive process to get these nominees ready for a Senate confirmation hearing. Well, at least on the Republican side, maybe the Democrats know that doesn't matter, but but I'm pretty sure that it also holds true for the Democrats. So this idea that he would come in and not have a stock canned answer for this or would come in and say something, um, you know, kind of inadvertently, that is not that is not that's bullshit. This answer is a serious answer and he means it, which means he really thinks that the January 6th riot was more dangerous than the Oklahoma City bombing 
where people people died, children died. So it's it's yes. a very frightening. Uh, we have a very frightening figure in Merrick Garland, who of course will not be running anything. He's going to have a bunch of people like he's going to have a team of Weissmans, Andrew Weissmans, running. Um, yeah, but go ahead, Julie. What were you going to say about this? You know, it does. So 168 people died uh, in April 1995, including five children under the age of six, like babies. So what a despicable thing for Garland to say. It should be automatically disqualifying, but that's not stopping people from Mitch McConnell and Tom Tillis and others already to commit to um, voting in favor of his confirmation. But Liz, if you remember, remember Here's another similarity between January 6th and April 1995. Remember how they tried to blame Timothy McVeigh and Nichols, I forgot his first name, Nichols's actions, their murder spree, their terrorist attack on right-wing media. Remember, they tried to blame Rush Limbaugh for and right. talk radio for ginning them up and creating, inciting people like Tim McVeigh to do what he did because he attacked a federal building, which means he is attacking government. And that's exactly what they were. um, They were attempting to do, you know, by attacking Bill Clinton. It's the same sort of narrative. It's the same fake disingenuous logic that they use um, to say that the right wing extremists drove mindless zombies to act. However, the converse is not true. The New York Times and the Washington Post and all of these orbiting sub journalist outlets that are constantly demonizing Trump supporters and Republicans are in no way responsible for all of the abuse and violence suffered by the Trump, the Trump people. So it's only a one-way street on that. Just one-way street. It is. Well, what's scary, and we've talked about this before, but it's worth repeating, is that the Justice Department is going to, as he just said there, they're going to continue to expand this probe. They have all 56 FBI field offices involved. Um, They are going to take misdemeanor cases, turn them into felony sedition cases against American citizens, which I've tried to find the last time that happened. I I can't locate any cases like that. They just uh, charged their first conspiracy charges against nine people associated with the Oath Keepers. Um, I'm telling you, these people couldn't organize like a lemonade stand or a bike parade on the 4th of July, let alone some kind of armed insurrection. A lot of them, I think. It's, It's horrifying about how roughshod and ragtag this alleged sacking of the Capitol was when you look at the details behind the Oath Keeper people who apparently did felt that they should abide by the firearm laws of Washington, D.C., and yet (laughs) thought that they were going to somehow capture the Capitol and the Congress and the Senate. You know, in general, now I'm going to speak about stuff, but I only know the things I say because I watch a lot of television and movies. Mm -hmm. But if you were, let's say, to sack a Capitol or to take over or invade, you the first thing you would do is you would you would scope your target out, right? 
you'd be like, oh, where am I going to go? What are the obstacles? Oh, is it all these armed people guarding it? And then you'd be like, wow, okay, so if I really want to sack it, I guess I need to have more force than all the people guarding it. The people in the Capitol, the Capitol Police have guns. So this idea that they would not have guns or weapons or anything and just march in. And that, like I say, always say, and then what? You know? And then what? But it's being treated seriously as if these people legitimately posed a threat to anyone even though they had no weapons apparently they had some auxiliary standing by i don't know what that was going to look like when that happened right in their in the uh charging documents that, that mentions that they had some auxiliaries you know in case they needed more whatever i don't know power to get in did they not think they would be also met with auxiliaries on the other side I mean this whole thing is like a really it's something like a teenager does or an eight or nine year old when they you know when they have like a very one-dimensional understanding of how things work it's laughable that this is being treated equivalently to a bomb that killed People, children destroyed a federal building. I mean, it's just it's crazy. He referred to January 6th at one point as the Capitol bombing. Yeah, that's how that sounds like Mueller. That reminds me of the Mueller testimony where he, you know, he didn't really know what what people were talking about. Who's Christopher Steele? I I think I read about him in The New York Times. No idea. Never heard of him. What's a dossier? Well, Garland did act like he's never heard John Durham's name before and refused repeatedly to commit to protecting him as he's appointed special counsel now, which means nothing because Democrats don't care about the law or any rules. But um, he refused to commit to protect that too, which who cares? John Durham's not going to come up with anything. So I don't care. Fire him. I don't give a shit anymore. Yeah, there's probably nothing going on. There. <laughs> it's probably an empty office. There's like no one in there. The Durham office, just totally empty. (laughs) Yeah, little dust bunnies floating around. Yep. So, but this week has been January 6th all day, all the time, because there's also been Senate hearings, um, a few days of Senate hearings into what's happening. But the problem for Democrats is the media, the narrative is totally falling apart. And it sort of started with the Brian Sicknick story. Now it's the armed insurrection. They only charged out of 220 plus defendants, only charged 14. Uh, I think 15. They just had another one over the weekend. 15 weapons, 15 people with weapons violations. Half of those people are only charged with using the weapons, say vandalizing property or attempting to assault a police officer. About the other half just were charged with possessing a deadly or dangerous weapon on government property. And, of course, only two of them face firearms charges, but neither one of them can even be placed inside the Capitol. They were detained and arrested. Well, they were detained outside of the Capitol later that night, uh, and there wasn't any proof either man carried a weapon inside the Capitol or planned to use it. Does this sound like these people were seriously going to capture the United States Capitol? (laughs) You know what I mean? And, like, right. <laughs> it just, and do just, what with it? Like what? How? How? I mean, 
what was going to happen? Traditionally, these things are very violent and they involve a faction of the military as well. I mean, there's a gunfire and bombs and dead bodies everywhere. I mean, a coup is a very serious thing. And I look at these people that they have locked up and they just seem like, you know, people who were angry and disillusioned with the government, but certainly didn't have any take any serious effort to actually I'm not even sure what their goal was. You know, I I guess they were going to stop the Electoral College. I mean, it's not even clear what the what the what the objective was. You know, there's different there was different factions there and 99 percent of the people had no idea what was going on. And they were there just to listen to Trump talk and support the president. But there were people, I guess, a very small number of people who actually had some idea that they were going to go in and I'm not sure, stop the vote, take it over, restore the concept. I don't know. And then you had a lot of people who were just there to F shit up because they're troublemakers. But even the people who seriously thought they were going to somehow interfere with this process. I mean, I've heard people say, well, they were going to kill Mike Pence with what? The helmet? Like the shield? Like what? what? The Confederate flag? I don't know. I mean, I, I, I mean, it's laughable. It's pathetic, actually. I mean, if this is if this is what the the right has planned, you know, like everybody on the left should breathe a sigh of relief. And can you because... also explain how these are white supremacists who wanted to kill the whitest man ever known in humankind, which is Mike Pence? I know. How does and all white the white supremacists... people in Congress and the Senate? I mean, that's the people in leadership are are pretty white. You know, yeah. What is the percentage of how many black U.S. senators are there? I mean, Kamala Harris doesn't count anymore. She wasn't even there. So are there two? But he's a Republican. But even so, I mean, he's he's a white man. He's not black. He's white because he's Republican. That's true. He's not really black. Um, I don't know. Well, Biden said if you didn't vote for him, you're not really black. So that's probably what it is. But right. You, you, that's a good point. I, I, that if if you're a reasonable person and you take step back and just look at the evidence that we have and the information that we know, this is certainly anyone who broke the law, prosecute trespassers, anyone who broke windows, anyone who mm-hmm. destroyed property, absolutely Hit they should be prosecuted for those things. Hitting cops, any of that, I'm opposed to that. Absolutely, go after him. But to pretend that this was some serious effort, I mean, maybe in the he- the minds of the delusional people doing it, it was. But certainly in reality, I, I don't know. It it just seems kind of pathetic. Well, and one thing Garland said, and of course, none of, uh, you know, this isn't happening in a vacuum. The American people who saw what happened for months and months, it's still going on in Portland. Um, they can pick up on this cognitive dissonance that all of a sudden attacking a government building or any kind of property with a baseball bat or a riot shield or using pepper spray, all of a sudden it's like the worst day in American history when it happens in Capitol Hill and the same lawmakers who want to send America's youth to Kandahar are like hiding under their desk and running away from imaginary insurrectionists like Mitt Romney did. But it was funny because Garland doesn't apply the same rhetoric 
or the same criminality to what happened in the Capitol to say what happened in uh, Portland's federal courthouse. That's okay, Garland said, because those attacks happened at night when there was no government proceedings going on. So maybe somebody can make sense of that. That is just so ridiculous. It's like, were the cops not hurt as bad Mm -hmm. when they were getting blinded by lasers or having explosive devices thrown at them or when they were being locked? There were people inside the building. There may not have been official government proceedings going on, but there were several efforts to lock the uh, federal agents inside the building and then set it on fire, which seems like serious to me, but not even just Portland. The, I think there was over 200 protests, riots around the country this summer where right. there was serious property damage. There was injuries and murders. Over 30 people died in the process of this. And to sit back and see how much more serious the government takes it when it's, quote, them, but not serious when it's, you know, John Q. Midwest, who well, has imagine, a storefront yeah. somewhere that just got burned down. It's like, ah, eh, it's for social justice. So what do you expect? Imagine you are the owner of a Kenosha furniture store that's been in your family for a few generations was ransacked and then burned to the ground because cops dared to shoot at a known rapist, a known criminal and no government, no, no leader spoke up for that business owner or thousands of business owners when Worse things happen to them, their property, their businesses are still shuttered, their livelihood completely gone and destroyed. I mean, the Senate reconvened like three hours later. It's not like these people stayed there until they could hunt down, you know, Lindsey Graham. They were in and out. It was it was over. Most of the people from the video that the videos that I saw, a lot of people were just wandering around like they were your average everyday tourists. Like, ooh, look at the paintings, look at the statues. You, I know you've seen that video of, of the the insurrectionists like calmly walking between the velvet rope lines. <laughs> you know, like it's a, it's a, you know, and that's not to say there weren't bad actors there that there were, were agitating and and hell bent. But I don't know exactly how many people were did get inside that building. Um, but I'm. I'm going to guess that almost all of them were just peaceful and just kind of thinking they were allowed there because by the time they got there, the doors were open. And in some cases we saw police officers just kind of letting people in. Um, and there was just a small handful of people that were there looking to fuck shit up. And the fact that of course the left is going to take advantage of this to demonize the Trump supporters as if they're, mindless zombies who were given a command to go, I don't know, sack the Capitol. Um, and they're going to take this opportunity to, to get that political advantage. And one thing that's interesting, we saw a poll come out a couple days ago from Echelon Insights, which is a polling firm here oh, yeah. in D.C. It's an establishment firm. 
And they asked people in each party, you know, what were the most important, you know, the most serious issue facing America. And something like almost 60 percent of Democrats said it was Trump supporters. And the reason is for that is because people have been getting a hysterical, steady diet of this propaganda from the media. And so Can you go through that list because it's so telling the contrast. I mean, what Democrats are worried about versus Republicans. But I mean, like the top four, if you have it in front of you and you used to be a pollster, so you know how this yes. stuff works. The first thing that I notice that I want to point out when we're talking about this is these polls are not cheap. Someone paid for this poll and Echelon, their establishment, someone in the GOP establishment orbit has paid for this poll for some reason or another. Now, I think the reason is to figure out what percentage of the party are Trumpy so that they okay, can calculate, right? So that they can figure out how, you know, wh- how to proceed, really. Basically, their rhetoric and propaganda, like they have to pay lip service. The way that they pay lip service to the Tea Party, they need to quantify that to see how seriously they have to take the Trump wing. You know, or is the Trump wing just going to disappear? Trump's gone. Let's go Mitt Romney. Let's get another McCain-like nominee for president. Is that is that a possibility? Those are the kinds of questions that these people who would pay for a poll want to answer. Anyway, so this was a large poll, and they asked Democrats and Republicans um, how concerned they are about the following thing following things you know the question was how concerned are you that the following are a are a problem for the country so of the democrats the first the top one this is should not be a surprise to <laughs> the people our 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 folk you know our people that listen to our show the top concern for democrats is the spread of covid 87 percent said that oh the God. next Number two issue for them was Donald Trump supporters at 82%. Now, just to remind you. Well, they both are pathogens. I mean, let's be honest. (laughs) 75 million people at least voted for Donald Trump. So Democrats think 82% of Democrats are very concerned, extremely or very concerned about Donald Trump supporters. So that's 75%. 75 million people. The third thing is, of course, what else? White nationalism, obviously. Well, it's the same thing. I mean. Well, just let me keep going because I'm not going to disappoint you, Julie, when I tell you that the fourth thing is, of course, systemic racism. (laughs) This, if this isn't a, if this isn't like prima facie evidence about the media's brainwashing, I don't know what is. It is an indictment of the stupidity and ignorance and, I mean, gullible is a nice word. It is an indictment on just rank and file Democrats and how they will believe anything they are told by the media. Yeah, well, and then the fifth thing, of course, is the economic damage from COVID-19, where 77% said that. Now, if we look over at what the Republicans are concerned about, 81% said illegal immigration. 60% said they were extremely concerned about it. Lack of support for the, for police was 79%. High taxes, 77%. Liberal bias in mainstream media, 
75%, and then economic damage from COVID-19, 75%. So you can compare that. Republicans are concerned with policy issues, and Democrats are concerned with their political opponents. That is the, that is the, the, the contrast going on there. So policy problems facing Americans versus political opponents. That is in a nutshell. Um, another interesting part of that poll was asking um, Republicans, and this is why I think this was paid for by someone who's trying to do a calculus on the Trump element of the party, um, is how support, how, the question is, how important is it to um, support a candidate on the following issues? And one of them is supports the Trump America First agenda is one option. And then another one is um, supports independence from Donald Trump. And another option is consistently supported Donald Trump. Now, there's a couple other options, but clearly this is intentionally designed to find out what percentage of the party is aligned with the either Donald Trump as a person or the MAGA agenda. How important is that? So the most important thing to the GOP voters is, is that, that a candidate will not back down in a fight with Democrats, which basically disqualifies like 99% of elected officials. Cause there's like only 10 people in all of Congress and Senate who won't. <laughs> right. Um, but also supports the Trump America first agenda, immigration trade. That was almost this, the number one thing. Um, I know that the media and certainly the Republican establishment likes to portray the support for Trump as culty, that people, there's like a cult of Donald Trump, that it's the man and not the policies and not the things he said. But that's actually not true. And you can see that in the poll results here where people want someone to support the America first agenda. And further down in with less support are people that consistently support Donald Trump as president. That's still a lot, but it's not it's not up at the top. And then um, so showed showed independence from Donald Trump as president is, you know, it's there, but not. Not a huge not as much as supporting the America first agenda. So I think whoever paid for this has some bad news. <laughs> um, got some bad news with this, right? Uh, as far as that goes, but again, I think Michael Malice said it the best when he said people thought Trump was the river, but he was really the dam. You know that yeah. this isn't about Trump. It's just that he was the only one who stood, you know, who stood up for some of the policies that people felt w that were their interests and their priorities and that they felt that they were being ignored. And we've been asked repeatedly to eat these establishment shit sandwiches. And then when our person gets in, the person that the people wanted to get to get into office, when he he wins, the establishment isn't eating their shit sandwich like we ate our shit sandwich. You know, right, it, right. it's a fascinating dynamic that's been set up here. Well, I think um, and I think the longer that there is an absence of Donald Trump, I think and you compare it to what the Biden administration is doing 
what the Democrats are attempting to do, even what the weaselly establishment Republicans say, Liz Cheney, et cetera, are lining up to do the way that they're acting, how they're submitting to all the demands of the Biden administration, passing all of their nominees and coming up with just the lamest objections to his covid quote unquote bailout. I think the longer that Donald Trump is absent, the more support he is going to get. And people, to your point, are going to recognize that he was really the only guy standing between us and them, not only policy wise, but approach wise. That's why he said the things that he said. That's why he tweeted the things that he did, because it was the only way to fight back in any capacity against what the left is capable of doing, willing to do, and is really accelerating now that Biden is pretending to be the president. Right. And we get we, we're really seeing that it's only it's been a month and a half. And these people are have put their foot on the gas. And the idea that th- they're some moderate, measured, rational group of people and Trump was this crazy hair on fire lunatic. We're seeing that that's not that's not true. People are definitely being gaslighted and we're getting like a, you know, lipstick on a pig version where thank God kids are in containers, but not in cages. You know, that kind of, that kind of shit that we're being fed, that people are trying to, are getting fed by the media. But after years of having people, a significant portion of this population, like I said, 75 million people, at least having their, concerns dismissed and not just dismissed but belittled and mocked then it isn't a surprise that you have someone like donald trump come out and push back just as hard or if harder than what he has been getting and the left is like clutching their pearls they're just horrified about it but every day we hear some crazy story about somebody getting shamed or singled out and berated or some institution crumbling. I just saw a story on Twitter that they're not going to have Mr. Potato Head anymore. It's just going to be Potato <laughs> Head because Mr. is I'm not joking, Julie. No, I mean, I, I want to say I saw it's that. a joke, but it's not a joke. And it's things like this where you're just wondering what in the hell is happening here? I mean, this is just silly. So I'll tell a quick anecdote about my it's great to have kids in college right now. It's not really great because my niece is on day eight of being in an isolation dorm because she's healthy, but tested positive for some garbage COVID test. So she's like being treated worse than a criminal. But my daughter goes to a private college in upstate New York. People could probably figure it out. But anyway, um, she when the semester restarted a few weeks ago and they were doing all their Zoom because everything is virtual. Every professor said, introduce yourself and announce your preferred pronoun. So, of course, my daughter, being my offspring, refused to do it. She didn't do it. Another funny aside, my husband had no clue what that even meant. He's never heard that. (laughs) This is why when I told him a month or so ago, because, you know, my husband, well, he's now on our side, but he anyway, it's complicated. He's a Democrat. He has been for a long time, but I was, I say to him, you don't really understand what's going on because you only pay attention to like state and Chicago politics, but this is what's happening. So he lost his mind. He's like, what are you talking about? But here's the funny part. She is involved in a women's in her 
in her major, of course, they have a women's group associated with it. She did. She doesn't want to do it because it's anathema to her. She hates that whole thing, but she has to do it, you know, for a resume. So it's the same thing. They're all announcing their pronouns. And my daughter says to me, but wait, the the title of the group starts with the word woman. So shouldn't they change that like to, you know, pronoun, whatever, whatever. They can't even keep up with their own stupidity. But this is what's being indoctrinated, of course. It has to be vague enough so that there's room to turn on anyone for any reason for (laughs) noncompliance. Right. That's one of the things you'll notice in these bizarre social justice rituals where there's nothing is actually specific enough that would allow someone to conform to the rules. So the rules are just made up on the fly as they go along. So they're always vague enough so that there's the room to turn and and turn on someone if necessary for a perceived non-compliance it's just it's it's just ridiculous and for what exhausting right you know and for what who are we trying who are we appeasing with this well people are paying a lot of money to send their kids to college or these kids are taking on a lot of debt you know i was reading something today Um, about the housing market and how the housing market has been affected because a lot of millennials aren't able to sort of hit those adult milestones at the same speed Mm -hmm. that the the greatest generation, which is Gen X, which Julie and I are in Gen X. We're Gen X. We are proud. Proud, very proud of Gen X. Mm -hmm. Um, But these millennials aren't able to hit these milestones like getting married, buying a house, having children because they're saddled with so much student loan debt. Mm -hmm. And to that, I say, well, you idiots are the ones who wanted like a 10, 20 million dollar a year office of diversity and inclusion at your university. When I went to college and I'm sure when Julie went, you went to college, your school did not have a diversity and inclusion office with the vice president who's making 500 or 600 thousand dollars a year and a massive staff and all of this money for programs to make sure that people are conforming to the spurious and opaque rules that are come up. But yet because you have those added expenses, well, the cost of college tuition, it goes up. So, you know, it's 50, 60, $70,000 a year to send yeah. your kid to college. And some kids are going to take out student loans and you're going to leave and you're going to have a half a million dollars in debt. And so you can't get a house or you can't get married and start having a family when you can't, you know, you, you have all this debt, you can't probably will have difficulty getting a mortgage. And then of course, paying for a child, you know, children are expensive. Um, Or God forbid, decide to stay home and like actually raise your children because that's not allowed. Shut your mouth. Don't you do do that. that. No, ma'am. But look at, but, but, but people are paying tens of thousands of dollars a year to go to school with these just almost religious, weird rituals. That don't even serve a purpose. Theoretically, college is supposed to prepare people for employment and for entry into civil society where you get skills to do things. Um, But I feel like there's just not a lot of majors in college anymore that are necessary for people to enter 
the professional realm. You know, if you are an engineer or even be a doctor or you're going to be an architect or something where you do need like a very specific skill set, you need to study those skills and master them to do your job. But for most of the other majors, why would you need four years of this really quasi-religious you know, rituals that have to be properly performed (laughs) repeatedly. I don't know. It's just crazy. Well, I do think this whole lockdown, if there is any upside and it's a catastrophe on many levels that people are going to live with consequences for life. I mean, especially these young kids and these business owners who lost their livelihoods because of say in hospitality or restaurant. The only upside is it has been such an eye opener about I mean, for even the left, eye opener about teachers unions and public, well, not public, like I said, we send our daughter to a private school, but the university system at large is that I think people are going to reconsider both. I think people were sort of reconsidering the whole college thing before this, but now it's so evident that these universities are just factories to brainwash our kids with every facet of the leftist uh, ideology and agenda. That's all that they do. And to your point, what is the point? I mean, why are you going to go three hundred, four hundred thousand dollars in debt and come out learning nothing except the difference between a cisgender and a transgender? I mean, I what's the point? Right. I mean, if you offered people, if if students had an option of going to a school and the tuition was ten thousand dollars a year, but there wasn't going to be any of the these extras, you know, all of these um, student activities and diversity police and, um, you know, all of the added expenses included in making sure that the social justice agenda is thoroughly executed Um and but that college was ten thousand dollars a year. How many people would just pick that? I mean, you could pay seventy thousand dollars a year, mm-hmm. and you get the full social justice warrior agenda <laughs> and curriculum, or you can pay ten thousand dollars a year and just like learn your trade or your craft or your 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 you know your your skills. I don't right. know. It just seems crazy. I don't know why why people would just keep their kid out and not even go to college until things are, I guess, back to normal. Although. Maybe they're not going to get back to normal. I don't know. I don't know. I see no sign of it. And if my daughter wasn't already more than halfway through, I mean, if she was going to be entering like as a freshman, I it would be a different situation. But it's hard to, you know, disrupt. And people are like, well, they could take a gap year to do what? There's no jobs. I mean, any business that employs young people are shut down or people who've lost their legit jobs need those lower paying jobs. So there's no, there's nothing for these kids really to do. So it's, it's not easy. I mean, it's complicated, but, um, so in our last few minutes, let's share some happy, more happy news, Liz. (laughs) Okay. Pilot on. Um, we are now seeing the public disintegration of two of the most egotistical, malevolent, um, I could just keep piling on adjectives, but since it's the end of the show, let's just leave it at that. Two of the scourges of American public life right now, and that is New York Governor uh, uh, Andrew Cuomo, 
sorry, messed up their first names. Andrew Cuomo, Dr. Anthony Fauci. I think they're both hopefully at the tail end of their influence and losing popularity and supporters by the minute. Yes, I've noticed that. Let's talk about Anthony Fauci first. So Fauci gave an interview, I think it was a couple days ago, where he basically revealed that nothing is going to change once you get the vaccine. <clears throat> and it, mm-hmm. it's, it's like, what is the point of this? You know, if there, and this is, <clears throat> goes back to my earlier statement about keeping the rules just vague enough so that people will always be breaking them. It's like, if there's no goalpost or removing the goalposts, then what, what is the point of this at all? Right. So, right. yes, I think people are getting a little pissed off with Fauci, who suggested that people wear two masks um, recently instead of he went from zero masks to one mask to two masks <laughs> and saying that. <laughs> and the red still, nose. He will still not go to the grocery store or eat inside a restaurant. I did go eat in a restaurant on Sunday and. I've gone maybe five or six times since the pandemic. I mean, I used to go out once a week, but, um, you know, we did, I did dial that back because of the restrictions here that the, a lot of places were closed, but Fauci will not eat, eat indoors, even though he's vaccinated. I mean, is he just, does he believe this shit? Is he crazy? I think, too, yes. Well, we know he's crazy. And our friend Jordan Choctaw, who's been on our podcast a few times, he had he nailed this statement at the end of 2020. He said, remember, while most people had the worst year of their life in 2020, Anthony Fauci had his best year ever. Like he will never have a greater time in his life. He's already 80. But this has been the pinnacle of his professional and personal life because it's so as soon and now the pandemic is over. It is completely over everywhere in this country. Cases, hospitalizations, even the shitty testing that we get, everything has like it happens every year with the flu, any kind of severe respiratory virus. It peaks starting in late October and it completely crashes, you know, late February, early March. So same thing now. It's over. And Fauci knows this. Other people who have been on the COVID panic porn train for months also know this, but he can't give it up because then Dana Bash is not going to know he's a nobody show, right? Or is he going to get magazine covers? He's not going to get booked for magazine covers anymore. Right. He he's done. And so, but he's overstepped his bounds so many times. I think it sort of started with the holidays. But when he said to Dana Bash over the weekend, when she asked about, you know, a parent, her parents getting vaccinated now can they hug their unvaccinated grandchildren? First of all, why the hell would you ask Anthony Fauci about your family's, right, <laughs> you know, like exactly. affection for each other? Um, he said no. This <laughs> is crazy. It's crazy. It's sick. It's sick. Families are breaking up. People are dying without comfort of their loved ones. You know, that people are putting off visiting their older parents or their grandparents or grandparents aren't getting to see their grandchildren. I mean, this is like a sick, a sick game or something. 
It is. And like you mentioned, the cases are down, deaths are down. The vaccine is the Trump vaccine is all over. People are getting it. What now what? You know, well, oh, we have the variants, right? That's I see a lot of chitter chatter. Well, we don't know if the Pfizer vaccine will prevent the variant. Okay, here we go again. So you really get the sense. And speaking of hugging and touching, not only is Andrew Cuomo. (laughs) Hey, we're getting good at this, Liz. We should start Um, Not only is Andrew Cuomo in a lot of trouble, including by a lot of Democrats in New York for lying and for killing, you know, what, 15,000 people in nursing homes and then covering it up. But now he has a woman coming forward uh, with tales of sexual harassment. Um, and so I, Jen Psaki was asked about it at a briefing today. I didn't see what she said, but believe all women, Liz. Yeah. Well, no, we don't, we only believe certain women. Um, do you notice that the majority of people who have the me too problem are actually like Democrats? <laughs> you know, it's like they're, they're crying. Stop me before I kill again. Almost. You know, a lot of these high profile <laughs> high profile virtue signalers are the ones that are getting busted. Weinstein, who is Harvey Weinstein, who is a big uh, underwriter for Democrat efforts. Um, Kevin Spacey, another big lib, a whole bunch of other ones, but also here with uh, Andrew Cuomo, who was a saint. He was held up on a pedestal as being everything that Donald Trump wasn't. Meanwhile, he was like killing old people in nursing homes. He was sending them to their death. Have we ever gotten an answer as to why he just didn't put these people in the Javits Center or on the Comfort? I think that was the ship that Trump had sent to New York. What was the answer? Like, I get that he said, oh, well, we were afraid the hospitals were going to be overloaded and we needed to move people out, you know, to make room. Great. Put them on the ship. Put them in the Javits Center. But that didn't happen. And there were... There were nursing home, I know when the New York Post broke the story back in April, there were nursing home owners in Brooklyn, other areas of the city, who were begging him to let them put these residents in the Javits Center or on the USS Lollipop, whatever it was, and he, and they refused. <laughs> now, look, I I think I think Cuomo is a, a figure. I really don't think he knew what the hell was going on. He was just getting ready for his presses press conferences every day, reading the slides, going on his brother's show that night. I, I don't think he had any clue, honestly, what was going on. Well, and I mean, I loathe him, but I'm just saying. I guess that's true. But somebody knew enough to make sure that there was no liability, right? They indemnified the government. They indemnified right. anyone. So no one will ever actually be held accountable for this. And so somebody knew what was going on, but it is nice to see him falling now. I mean, the Democrats will throw you under the bus like they did the Lincoln Project, right? They were done. They served their purpose. And I suspect that Cuomo isn't a team player with the Obama faction of the Democrat Party, which is the dominant faction. So, you know, he served his purpose and now you could just get they need to get rid of him. And so it's okay. That's my that's my guess of what's going on now. Right. Well, I don't know. That's that so a, happy. It is so happy. 
We're so happy. It's a lot of happy talk. Um, but that is our hour. It's more than an hour. So you got bonus time with us this week. Lucky and thank you. Yes, so lucky. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to our show, Happy Hour with Julie and Liz, on iTunes. And we will see you next week. Thanks for listening to Happy Hour with Julie and Liz. We'll see you next week. Bye.